You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at NapaBroadcasting.com as we continue our personal stories about the 2017 fires. When we talk about the first responders to the various Napa fires, it's important that we understand that it was more than just the folks out there fighting the fires, evacuating neighborhoods, and protecting life and property on the front lines. It also extended to the shelters, to the evacuation centers, that gave refuge and sustenance to the hundreds of their fellow community members that needed a place to feel warm and safe and secure. The largest of these shelters or evacuation centers was right here at Napa Valley College. And the man who, from the first moment, took charge of that effort was Napa Valley College Police Chief Ken Arnold. Ken's been with me here on Napa Broadcasting many times before, but never to tell a story of the magnitude of a college campus that virtually in a matter of hours would become a small city. It's my pleasure to welcome Ken Arnold here. Ken, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Even um, under these circumstances. Even, even under these circumstances. It, it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's definitely was quite a learning lesson on uh, how to run a shelter. So it, uh, not something I was normally trained to do. But, <laughs> well, but we learned. Didn't the, see the textbook yeah, on that. Yeah, didn't see the textbook on that one. Well, uh, you I, know. I want to start at the beginning how you first heard about what was happening, and I know you were right. literally out of town hours before. Correct. So I had spent uh, a week in, uh, the week prior to that, I had been down in Las Vegas uh, with a, uh, a another group that I uh, belong to. I'm, um, I'm a handler for a comfort dog for Lutheran Church Charities, and we do, we go to crisis areas, and the dogs provide comfort to, to people who have been Victims of either, you know, um, well, just people who are in crisis who are, you know, either a natural disaster or a man-made uh, crisis. And so I get home Sunday night about 5.30. We get back from Las Vegas. And, and, and we should say, I don't mean to yeah, interrupt you, but, right. but you were there with the comfort dog dealing with the victims. Right. We, uh, we, were, we were providing comfort to the to the. Victims of the shooting, we spent a lot of time at uh, one of, uh, a couple of the hospitals, but we spent a lot of time with families and uh, people who were actually had been shot, the victims who were in the hospital recuperating. We went to some of the local schools where uh, some of the children, uh, so, some of the teenagers had been shot. We went to the casinos where the people fled in there, and we were working with staff we were on that night. So... So it was a tough week. I mean, it was, it was, we did uh, really, I think um, we being uh, the handlers who were helping the dogs, but the dogs did phenomenal work in providing comfort to a lot of people who needed it. But it's a tough week because you're hearing a lot of really, you know, terrible things. You're, you're in the, you're dealing with a lot of that uh, human suffering. You're, you're, you're vicariously caught up in all those emotions. So you're pretty drained. And, and, and I was, candidly i was drained by the time i got home and of course you know it doesn't hurt that i mean it doesn't help that i just didn't you know a 11 hour drive you know up from las vegas i'm now sunday night and uh so i'm i'm at home it's late have some dinner hadn't seen my wife in a in a you know in in seven days and uh, i decided to go to bed relatively early because i'm just beat and I know it's windy, but when I go to bed, there's no fires. There's really, it's just, there's a windstorm going on. And beyond that, I don't, you know, I really don't know much. And I think uh, probably 
somewhere after about 1.30 in the morning, my phone is rattling and, and moving around, and I can sort of, you know, realize my phone's doing something, and I look at my phone, and I'm, I'm starting to see there's a, a series of texts going on that something's up, and uh, one, and so it's from uh, some of the uh, folks um, from the uh, Board of Trustees for the College Board of Trustees, and they're, they're reaching out. And uh, so I have a quick conversation with uh, one of the trustee members who um, uh, was, hadn't been evacuated, hadn't been affected by the fire, and asking about were we going to do any sheltering operations at the college. So at this point, uh, I'm still, candidly, I don't even know what's going on yet. I just know something's going on. I still don't really, I haven't grasped the magnitude of the event yet because I had been really, fat, you know, asleep eventually i reach out to um to the director of office of emergency services is a person i work with fairly regularly and i send a, a text to kevin saying you know is there something going on and do you need the college and uh so basically he sends a text back to the effect of call me well in our business that's not going to go well you you know that if that's what you get back in the middle of the morning that something's up and, and you know, it's not going to go well after that. So in essence, he asks, uh, that, uh, his, his concern is that the existing shelter is going to be, um, overrun or they're going to run out of capacity. And can the college set up as a standby shelter? And the shelter was already working or open at crosswalk. Crosswalk, correct. So previously. yeah, so crosswalk was already in operation. They were running out of space. And they the the places that normally get used as shelters for various reasons were not going to be available either because the fire department was already in in one area or the threat of fire eliminated them or the no, or there was no power so the the fact that power had been wiped out to the really the northern end of Napa so and we still had power. So we became the, the the next best option, the go-to option. So it's that classic, you know, sort of get up, throw some water on your face, try to you know find find the right clothes to wear, get in and and then head out to the head out to the college. So I'm headed out to the college. I'm trying to make what phone calls. What time was it? Uh, oh, so this is uh, this is a just after two a.m. So it's about two o'clock in the morning. I'm I'm headed out to to work. Um, headed out to the college and uh, trying to make phone calls to to get hold of the the VPs or the the president and uh, the phones were already having problems. We were already getting dead dead signals. We get out. I get out to the college about two two twenty. I get out to the college. I think it's somewhere around there two two twenty ish. And I find um, one of our coaches who had been evacuated. And, um, and, or, uh, and then another coach shows up. And so there's the three of us and we're getting some lights turned on. And, uh, Jim Tomlinson, who is the uh, coordinator for the emergency evacuation center shows up and they're like, well, we have no power. We, the County wants us to open up as the EVC in, uh, at the college and say, like, okay, fine. So we're trying to find him space. I come walking back out, and I look out into the parking lot, and there's 10 horse trailers filled with horses and vehicles. 
This is just before 3 a.m. And you had no idea how they got there or how they knew to, to come Yeah, there? no, exactly. The, there, there hadn't even been a Nexel yet saying that the college was open. I don't, you know, they were just here. And then uh, shortly after, I think there was I, my phone again, you know, it's mainly texting is doing stuff. And I realized, okay, it says shelter's now open at Napa Valley College. I mean, I don't even think it was maybe five minutes and cars just started showing up in the parking lot and and we hadn't even had a chance to really establish shelter i was still waiting on cots i was still waiting on resources and we had wh- chairs and you were going to get these from the red cross yes no well i frankly didn't care where they were coming right. from as long as we were getting them whether it was red cross county right. county of napa i didn't i didn't honestly care i was just saying i need help right I, I need stuff, and um, so cars start showing up, and we start unloading people into the gym, and that's there's there's two coaches and myself, and then another coach who got evacuated shows up a couple of hour about an hour later, and so for the for the early morning, all the way till probably a little out somewhere well well after dawn. Um, the college is running a shelter, and we don't, you know, we're we're not trained for it, but we're running a shelter. So we're getting people out of the cold, getting them in. Uh, some cots showed up just before dawn, so we got the cots opened up. Nobody really knew how to put them together, so we're reading the instructions real fast, trying to figure out how to put the cots together. So we get the cots up, get people in there. We have chairs, and we're putting people in chairs, and and so we're just, um, you know, we're we're working at getting things done and getting people out there. More and as as it gets closer to dawn, we're getting, you know, more folks are starting to show up. Eventually, we're, you know, the county is starting to muster their resources, and they're calling in folks. So it it's pretty hectic, but you know, we're we're again surviving. And then by dawn, I sort of remember that. Uh, Donations just started showing up all of a sudden. I mean, you know, and, and the generosity of the community was was awesome, but we weren't even prepared. I mean, it just stuff started showing up, and we're we're like, okay, now what are we gonna, you know? So again, my coaches, what an awesome group, because they immediately just they start figuring out where to move things, and it was great because they took over that responsibility. That left me. And they free. showed up originally because they they were evacuees. They were just evacuees. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. They weren't here because. I had called them even they were evacuees and uh, so the the uh, at this point I'm still not able to get hold of the president of the college I, I get him later we get cell phone back just temporarily but uh, the vice president um, Eric Shear who's one of our vice presidents he's an evacuee as well right. so he's here so um, you know and I'm sort of like Eric here's what I'm doing and uh, and then we eventually get hold of Dr. Kraft, and he had gone. He was scheduled to be at a conference in Florida. Florida. So he's rearranging now trying to get back to California, which took him uh, almost a full day bouncing around. And uh, I don't re- – I, I vaguely, to be honest, in that time frame, I vaguely recall him telling me the path, but it was multiple layovers, three or four different cities. It It was pretty crazy, but – but uh, he was headed back. So Eric um, just confirmed that we had permission. We were clearly going to be shut down as a at a college at least for the day or two. Um, so he started working on his part. Uh, I'm concentrating on getting the shelter and dealing with all the issues there. We're mustering resources. 
and it just sort of continued on through all of Tuesday by 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 or Monday into Monday. Yeah, Red Cross gets there eventually there because they're having to find additional people because the Red Cross was committed to the original shelter, which was crosswalk. crosswalk. So they're now trying to find a second shelter team and activate them on the fly. And uh, so they eventually, the, I, to be honest, I don't recall exactly when they showed up, but it was about midday Red Cross uh, shelter team finally gets there and uh, and uh, uh, starts, starts helping because – Really, at that point, I need to leverage their skill set, right? I, the college is sort of we're we're the you know we're the property, but I don't have any experience managing a shelter, and so it really became evident fast. I need to I need to leverage their skills. But what was remarkable, and and I got here and, and walked over there. It was maybe seven seven thirty. Mm-hmm. Is just the way things organically evolved. I mean, suddenly tables right. got set up. Right. Suddenly yeah, donuts there, and food. Yeah, and there was not. A, well, there was just so, sort of happened. Well, it appeared to happen. Right. There was. There it was. Appeared yeah, it appeared to happen. That was there. there yeah. There. There. there so there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes to make that appear to happen. There was uh, there's one of the early things we're running into. People are showing up. They got animals. We got animals in 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 the main shelter. So then talk about well, back up one second. Yeah. Talk about the animal part of it because that was a big deal because Crosswalk wasn't taking animals. Right. In fact, there were people sleeping in the parking lot at Crosswalk. I, I heard that. Keep... I don't. I didn't know that. I mean, I've heard that. Right. I don't know that for for an issue. Um, so. Because I do other emergency training and I've done lots of other, I you know, because I do a lot of the community emergency response disaster training for the community, I know that and, and you read, you know, I always read what happens after other places. Um, you'd think I'd get better stuff to read, right? But, you know, the but I always read those things and, and I knew that, you know, people had lost their lives in Katrina because they wouldn't separate from their animals. And and knowing that that was an issue, um, you know, I knew that was going to be an issue. So uh, as immediately as people are showing up in the shelter, I also know that you can't – sometimes it's not really – you can't mix sometimes the sheltering, the animals, and the people all because you have people who are allergic to it. And and I knew it was going to be an issue. So uh, very quickly, again, I had uh, the uh, Jerry Duncan there, who's who's the um, athletic director, and I'm like, so I grabbed Jerry real fast, and I'm like, Jerry, can we go? You, you know, what space can we use to put animals in? And sort of that, again, that's that that's where that organic appears, right? It's really Jerry. Here's a problem. What can we do? So. Um, he, he looks at, he thinks, well, okay, the, we have a, what's called a spin studio. The floor is already in fairly rough shape. Mm -hmm. And so he goes, all right, this can be an animal shelter. And I'm looking, okay, great. It's close to the entrance where we're doing intake. Uh, looks like it'll work. So get on the phone again to Napa County, to the shelter person who's Lynn Perez. And at that point, and Lynn and I are talking and I'm like, when I need I need shelter stuff I need I mean for animals this time you know so they're you know they're so they're now trying to get people from within the county um, we get humane society comes out um, and then um, there was um, another organization and I apologize but I don't recall who the third group was Jameson Animal Rescue Jameson Animal Jameson, Rescue right. that's who was right. so 
uh, Jameson comes later, but initially that day, I, I, I get one poor, I get one poor person from the county. I really felt sorry for her. She's just, you know, she's just getting blasted like the rest of us because we're everybody is shorthanded everywhere. We are, we are scrambling to do everything. So back to like the table. So we get a shelter going, tables, and then so we go, we need tables. So we're we're running around the coaches and I are running around the college grabbing tables from every place we can we can get them and moving tables in so that the emergency volunteer center has them and then it's like well we need tables for food so we're running around finding you know tables and we're we're grabbing chairs from all kinds of different places and we're throwing things in the back of a truck and and driving and this is all in the first few hours this is all in the first few hours a lot of that is even before daylight i mean this is dawn hasn't even hit yet um and so by the end of monday it's still chaotic but it's not feeling completely chaotic because now red cross has been on scene we got a bunch of cots set up we didn't have enough but the first the first shipment of cots come in we're able to start registering people so get an idea of who we've got here the the different players are starting to fall into you know so we've got a food line set up we get shelters set up the donations again are just it was incredible we're getting all these donations and we're still not even entirely sure what to do with those, but we're starting to sort of at least accumulate things in areas. Um, at some point, uh, our the college our college nurse uh, Nancy Tamarisk shows up. Nancy's been evacuated again. She's she's not here. She she's been evacuated from her home, but she takes over, starting to do right. medical. I get a couple of our college counselors who are here. They're providing mental health on the floor. And so really so that through that first day, there's college staff, many of whom were evacuees, who are now here interacting and, and doing stuff with the people who had been evacuated. And there was no sense, I mean, it's important to point out, there was no sense of how long any of this was going to go on none, at that point. No, no, we had absolutely no idea. The fire, the, there was, the, the scope of the fire was really just starting to, to set in on folks. There was absolutely no sense of what was going on on monday at one point i reach out to um to uh the to county so through the op- the emergency operations center to kevin and to lynn and i'm like do you have any any expectation of what this is going to take i mean how long this is going to go and uh, kevin's re- kevin asked us could we be open through at least wednesday at that point right so so that would have been the 11th. So just so we had something to work from. And that was important because Eric, who is the vice president of instruction, he needed to have something, right? There needed to be some, how long are we going to possibly be closed? Um, so that allowed him to make some decisions. Ron, uh, Dr. Kraft gets back um, late that afternoon, very late into the, the afternoon, almost early evening. They're able then to, to have a quick you know powwow and at that point we know we're we're going to be out of operation until at least wednesday we're going to be supporting shelter until then um (laughs) that's about all we know at that point so salvation army then shows up at some point and because we have chefs and everybody who's just literally bringing food in again the hospitality folks were just incredible for the valley so the Salvation Army, I sort of uh, reach out to them. And I'm like, okay, don't make food. Just manage, 
just manage stuff all of the coming food in. coming in, right? right. I, they, here's what I need you to, is So when restaurants and stuff would show up and they'd go, can we help? And I'm like, Salvation Army, go talk to them, right? And so there was a whole lot of that that started to happen, which was, uh, you know, um, uh, and I have this distinctive vest on, so everybody kept pointing me out. So, <laughs> you know, go talk to him. So uh, I became this just this walking information center and decision maker. And uh, so people would show up, and I'd like food, go talk to Salvation Army. Shelter issue, you go over here, talk to Red Cross, to talk to Jody. Uh, animal issue, go over here, let's talk to the and we And, it, and that's really what it became. It, it became this managing all of the various complex issues that were kept coming up and it was just managing those getting other people to to uh to you know take care of a particular decision so it we reached by the end of tuesday night well tuesday night into well yeah basically i know monday night sorry into tuesday morning we're sort of I want to call it sort of a managed chaos mm-hmm. in a way, right? It's uh, not where we want to be, but we're getting there. And um, and then the it, – but the fires are continuing to get worse. There's that sense of uneasiness. I have staff. They're looking up the hill behind them. They're seeing, you know, Atlas Peak is now burned down and is in skyline and and while at night it looked close to us in reality it wasn't but it right. but it looked bad and so i've got you know there's you're trying to manage the anxiety of both your responders and and the people who are in the shelter we i get a call and i'm i'm thinking it's, it's sort of this tuesday night wednesday morning I get a series of phone calls. One about a particular an evacuation from a vet's home that shouldn't that was supposed to have been done differently, and and there was an issue of of the vets ended up in the wrong shelter. They weren't supposed to be with us. They were supposed to be at a different shelter, and there was a bunch of confusion there. But it got resolved. I was trying to get some sleep. <laughs> at that point, I'm exhausted. So I'm trying to actually get some rest. And I said, okay, if you've got it handled, I'm not going to come in right away. Then I get a call from uh, uh, from Kevin Tui, who says they're going to have to evacuate Calistoga, um, and can can I be ready for that? Yeah, I'm like, okay, uh, fine. Here's here's what kind of space we have, um, and you know it'll be in a little while. Well, okay, great. So that's that's about one again, one something in the a little after one o'clock in the morning. And um, so I sort of we, – we're starting to try to get ready. We've got about 85 people in the shelter. And somewhere in the and – and he's saying it, the first stage of the Calistoga is not going to – shouldn't be a lot of people. So that's that's what I can. 85 people in the shelter, but it was already getting pretty crowded even in the parking lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we had 85 people in the shelter. We probably had another 100 or so out in the parking lot um, at that point. Um, and these are folks who, that had had their cars loaded with stuff, right. and they were RVs and people in tents. So uh, it's not that we're a small. You I mean you know? I, I don't want to say it was like only eighty. I mean, even that, you know, that's that's actually when you shelter people who have that's a lot. I mean, that's that's right. still dealing with a lot of because you have no sense of privacy. You're out in the middle of an open gym, so it, you know it's tough on folks. Uh, Calistoga goes to be evacuated, and 
basically by about 3, 3.30, 3, 3.30, somewhere, maybe 4 o'clock. I, to be honest, I don't remember. It was, it was dark again. seems like all this happened when it was dark. Um, we, we, we go for with the, the people just started showing up. I mean, the cars just came streaming in and we go within about an hour and a half, we go from 80 people to over 700 and we're just, we're putting people everywhere we can find and the animal, everybody just, we are just scrambling to find places to accommodate people and and we've got medically frail we have mobility issues an air just, that's unbreathable and yeah and, and you're right and I, and I didn't even yeah so the air the whole time even since monday just has been horrible i mean just you know everybody it's just you know so the conditions under which we're doing this weren't even weren't even good and uh you know we got and we're we're desperately trying to find masks and and uh, so resources are coming in and as soon as we get them they're you know we're depleting them. Now whether or not everybody was supposed to come to the college, I don't that really I don't think that was the message that went out. But in talking to some of the evacuees, um, when they were saying go to American Canyon, they didn't know where the high school was. Right. So they knew where the college was. And but they didn't know where the other shelters were, so they just decided, well, I'll go to the college. And I think that's one of the reasons we ended up with so many folks. Um, and at that point, we are just—I mean, we're—you know—it again, Red Cross stepping right in the county in county folks, uh, animal shelter, college staff, and it expanded beyond the original gym. It's oh yeah, yeah. To well, point yeah. Out, so, so a lot of other places. Well. The, so when Calistoga evacuated, uh, the decision I made the decision at the moment to open up the what we call our auxiliary gym, and and we we maxed capacity in both of those facilities. So so we're now running two separate shelter sites simultaneously while we're trying to construct a third, which was our student activity center. So uh, yeah, to accommodate everybody, we end up running three shelter sites simultaneously plus donations plus the animals plus, yeah so we had the the animal shelter we were the emergency volunteer center for all of napa county we had three shelter sites running simultaneously and we were handling almost uh, a significant i mean a significant amount of donations yeah at one point we go to count this stuff and we're at 209 pallets because what we did is we were palletizing stuff as it was right. coming in because we just we had to move it, and uh, so running the forklift and moving things, we had over two hundred and nine pallets of 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 water and food and and stuff. Again, the generosity of the community is incredible, but we were having a hard time keeping up. I mean, with trying to process it. The the other thing is that you also had the media to deal with the local media and that when i say local well, i mean well, bay area yeah bay national, area i was gonna say bay national. area yeah bay area national so and everybody knows how much i like the national media <laughs> um yeah that's true you radio folks don't but so the bay area media actually weren't that bad they they came in and they under you know and and uh you know and and we tried to accommodate them they they were actually worked pretty well with us right they they would come in they they we knew they had their morning shot they were going to do an afternoon and uh, we were able to really work with them, get them there, get them what they needed, and the, and then they would you know move on to another place. 
And then the one rule we had was you can't go in the shelter, though, right? If, if you want to talk to people, you have to talk to them outside the shelter, but we're not going to let you in the shelter. That's not appropriate. The national media, well, they're just another kind of animal. <laughs> we'll talk about <laughs> yeah, that. Well, they, you know, they, they're just. Um, they want what they want when they want it. Yeah, they, they, I think they lose sight of, I understand they have a story to tell. I, I, I try to try to be cognizant of that. But at the end of the day, the story is not about them. Uh, you know, it's about us providing service to people who have lost their home or under, or don't know if they've lost their home, who are under, who, who have walked out of their house in some cases, because for instance, one at, at, on the first night, Highway Patrol dropped off a couple of people who were, you know, that they had rescued who were in their underwear. That's it. I mean, that's all they had. And we, so we were getting them, finding clothes and stuff. So these are people under a great deal of stress. And we're, we're working to hope to, to help that stress. We're trying to keep people fed and hydrated and uh, give them information. Um, I really didn't have time for, you know, the, the, the national media sort of in its, um, uh, their antics. Um, so, you know, so we got into, we got, we, you know, so I understand I have a job to do, but it was, you know, it's like really you can't park your TV satellite truck right in the middle of where everybody wants to stand outside the shelter. Um, and then they get upset with, no, you can't go in the shelter. That's not appropriate if you want to stand it, you know. And, and so they were just a difficult group to deal with. I, I was, I didn't cry any tears to see them leave finally. They, they, they didn't, you know, I was, I was happy that they were on their way. Plus the, the parking lot filled up with lots of other folks. Yeah. So I mean, whether it was well, Verizon right. or the National Guard. Well, th- th- those or, folks right. I was using though, right? right? I'm, I was happy to see those folks because at this point, um, for various reasons, the you know cell phones are not working. They're, the cell phones are reduced to texting, and that's that's not necessarily even reliable. The college's internet um, connection, our connection to the outside world, had been damaged, um, and so um, even though we had a redundant line, who would have figured that both sides of the valley would have been in fire at the same time? Right. Took out both sides. Put, put, took out. Both of our redundant phone connection, our internet connections. So the we had the Air Force come in and they were providing satellite communications and they were their first line out and they set up computers so that people could uh, you know make contact with loved ones, and do how email. Did they get? Did they just show up? Just, this well, I, yeah. OEC? So yeah. So basically, I got a call like for the instance for the Air Force folks, um, Oscar Ortiz, who was operations chief for that particular cycle. Uh, he's a sheriff lieutenant. Calls me up and uh, says, "Hey, can you guys use uh, satellite communications, internet, phone, etc.?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, absolutely. Send them my way." And uh, so when they got here, we set them up along um, a row between there and right. and got them uh, same thing. So then uh, I get a call from another one uh, from one of the sergeants who who uh, that I know down there, and he says, "Hey, Verizon." has a uh, communications, you know, trailer, you know, can they come, they, they, you know, do you guys want to have them up there? And I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, send them up, send them my way. And again, we put them there because at this point we don't have reliable TV. We're not able to provide reliable information. 
So they can. So, right, they can provide cell phone charging. They, they've got laptops so people can interact with the outside world. It's all satellite-based. And then they've got an information line. So they would just, you know, run information TV constantly. So, so a lot of that was people who were in the emergency operations center, a resource or asset would get become available, and they'd check and say, hey, do you guys, you know, right. do you need it? And it was pretty amazing. That t- there was a TV in the, the first day. There was a TV right, right away in the, in the gym with, like, rabbit ears, old-fashioned. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so that TV normally stays up in our uh, information technology area. And so that was like, so we get hold of them, and, and I, I, I grab a couple of guys, and one of the IT guys shows up, and I'm like, look, can we move this thing to the gym? And so so they're like, well, it doesn't. And I said, well, so hang on. So we get one of my facilities guys again. We get the forklift, load this thing on the forklift. We're driving the TV through the parking lot with it. And then we get it there and we realize, well, this thing wants to have a Internet connection. Of course, we have no Internet now. So uh, somebody jumps in a car. We run over to Target, and they buy a set of, uh, you know, a set of antennas. And we run back, and we wire this thing up with a set of antennas. And then, of course, we're not getting the right reception. So they get up on somebody's shoulders, get up on the side of the wall with duct tape, and they duct tape the antenna up to the wall. And then eventually we were able to get the TV to work. work. <laughs> Pretty so, remarkable. Yeah, well, well, it was, it, it was, was called problem solving. Triumph of old technology. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was problem solving. There was a... That was I was really proud of all of the college folks, honestly, because there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, ingenuity and problem solving, because you can't write plans for this. I mean, the, you know, there's a lot of folks in the world that go, oh, you got to have an emergency plan, or people would go, what's the protocol for this? And, and uh, the reality is, uh, the life expectancy of an emergency plan is its first contact with an emergency, and then we're just we're just figuring out how to solve problems. What concerns were there? I thought about this a couple of times. What concerns were there with your police chief hat on right. about security? So, yeah, well, that's, you know, you whenever you put people under stressful conditions, right. tight, intimate space with, uh, with uh, you know, with uh, very little privacy, you're, <laughs> you know, of course, I, you know, I'm, I'm certainly concerned about that. So, uh, you know, we, we were, we, so my, you know, and we're a small staff, we don't, we don't have a lot of officers, but everybody was stretched thin. So I didn't necessarily, I wanted to try to hold our own as, as best we could. So my folks all stepped up to the plate. We were working 12 on 12 off. So we, we concentrated on patrolling the parking lots and keeping that Mm -hmm. in check. Um, the probation, probation, and uh, Mary Butler from probation sent a bunch of her staff out here, which uh, were really good because, again, for probation, what they were is they weren't we weren't providing security to the shelter, but they were doing is scanning all my folks because they know they they know who the actors are, right? And so we were able to intercept a lot of folks and and keep them from causing issues, and again, it's it's remarkable because. We had no theft, no reported thefts. Nobody stole anything from each other. We had no assaults. The only disturbance we ended up having was two um, two homeless individuals who falsely registered as um, fire victims. Yeah, they had consumed uh, one of them had consumed too much adult beverage, and decided to get into an argument with the other person. But again, that's where probation was really good. Recognizes them right away. 
Um, the other one, the other asset that came, kept coming out was the uh, homeless coordinator for um, Napa Police Department. Brandon was out here almost all the time, and he was a great help. And he'd go through, and, and we would just try to keep these folks in check. Some of them, you know, we're, it's like, well, we're not going to chase you off as long as you behave yourself, right? As long as you don't cause us problems, we're not in. But, again, it was that cooperation, and, and which was interesting because one of the things I kept hearing from the Red Cross people who don't normally work in Napa County or around us was they were dumbstruck by how much everybody cooperated and 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 how they stated that was such an unusual thing to see because a lot of places where they go and actually a couple of them just come up from houston were saying you know that's not the case in everywhere you go Mm -hmm. i mean they were trying to run shelters in the houston area and they just kept running into constant roadblocks and and you know government being very territorial and they were absolutely in a way dumbstruck by the fact that everybody Literally, it was a phone call on a first-name basis, you know, trading resources and just solving problems. How long did you think this could go on? I mean, certainly with each passing day, particularly after right. Calistoga was evacuated, yeah, it was pretty intense. And there were a lot of people, as you talked right. about, in very close quarters. And, and you could feel the pressure continuing mm-hmm. right. to mount. So early on, that's uh, one of the things we did— Actually, even Monday night was we had two of our college counselors in just checking on folks, and we continued that process all the way through. So you knew you were going to in that, so it was just checking in on people. How are they doing? The other thing we did um, is we got child care going so that, you know, families could get some relief. The children could have some entertainment. We started doing movies, face painting, uh, we had the cosplay characters that came out, um, you know, and then, again, the hospitality folks were awesome. We had gelatos going one day. We had gourmet coffee sometimes. Uh, the lunch trucks, so we had all kinds of lunch trucks that would show up and, and feed folks uh, for free. We were doing information. So we were doing a lot of things to try to not get rid of the pressure because you can't, but to help where right. where we could um, with that. And so we recognized that that was going to be an issue. So that actually became part of the plan all along was do things that, you know, would try to alleviate that pressure. And you're right. The longer it went on, the, you know, people are now getting tired and, you know, cranky, the, the cranky, the, the, frankly, the responders were getting tired. People are working incredibly long shifts. But, you know, people just had a sense of, Everybody was in this together, and, and you know, it— It was also warm in that. I mean, the weather was warm, and right. the decision was made well, to not, not turn a, the air conditioners well, we can't. on. Well, right? you, you couldn't. Right. It, it's not a, it wasn't a decision. Because it was going to bring in all the— Well, no, not at all. It was going to set off the fire alarms. Well, that too. <laughs> so, so the yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that it was—well, it, one, it would, you know, bring in the, the smoky air, which was even worse— but it was really actually the way the college's fire system is set up. It, if we had pulled in that smoke, it would have set off our own fire alarm. So we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't use any of the ventilation in any building anywhere at the college because we would have caused our own fire alarms to go off. And then now, you know, now you're stuck with, you know, with fire alarms going. And once you get the the smoke into the ducts, we couldn't turn the fire alarms off. So, so we we had to turn those off and leave them off, and we didn't have any choice. So. Which made it pretty warm in that gym at points. Fans. We put out a call that's for right. fans, and we got fans, and we, you know, good old fans, and that's what we used. And then 
almost instantly it was over. Well, we knew that would sort of happen. I mean, it's so in in our discussions and planning was we didn't know, you know, because the other thing you had is the decision to open Calistoga, to repopulate Calistoga is being made by Cal Fire, which is an entirely different agency. The county's not in charge of that, and the college right. isn't in charge of that. That's somebody entirely different. But we knew once that happened that, yes, the, the people are going to go home, and, you know, and, and, uh, and, and that was important. Um, if it had reversed and burned into Calistoga, you know, then we're looking at a Santa Rosa-type scenario, and, and things would have been – I don't know what we would have done. I, I, I'll be honest, it would have been – it would have been a different level of bad. Right. Right. Uh, Calistoga didn't burn, so then it became a waiting game of when are they, you know, when are they going to allow that? The decisions made. I think they opened it up. Yeah, I'll be honest; I don't remember if it was either Sunday night. I think it was Sunday, Sunday. night, uh, Sunday afternoon, if I recall. I thought I think it was, and we knew what was going to happen pretty fast. Is so in anticipating that, actually, a bunch of our volunteers had made up. Uh, basically, we called it to go boxes. And so of uh, toiletries and water and other stuff. And so basically as people left, they would circle down behind the gym. And they'd, we'd give them a couple cases of water and uh, to-go box and send people, you know, uh, with, uh, with stuff on their way. So you're right. Our population goes from probably close to 500 actively in the shelter with another two, 250 out in the parking lots. By the end of Sunday night, we're down to just over, just about 85, probably 86 people. And uh, a lot of those were senior folks who just decided they weren't going to deal with the traffic jam. Um, and, it, and it's exactly what it turned into. It turned into a traffic jam trying to get home. Matter of fact, we had a couple of people who turned around, came back from Calist because they just gave up on trying to get home that night, came back to the shelter and stayed overnight because <laughs> wow. it just, they couldn't get home. They couldn't get in. And uh, and then by Monday afternoon, I mean, we're literally we're down to like five people. Uh, and then uh, at that point, they're going to consolidate the shelters. So it becomes cleanup now. So they we the college is going to close. Uh, the official close was going to be Tuesday. Actually, by Monday night, the, we we're actually closed Monday night because there's so few folks. And then uh, it becomes breakdown and cleanup. So it's uh, volunteers again step in we had over 2,000 volunteers who showed up you know just citizens who put their life on hold come out there and help at the college um, and they were out there washing cots we had sort of like a line going there washing the cots hosing them down putting them out to dry as soon as they're dry the National Guard's breaking them down putting them on pallets again and uh, loading them up so by the and so for Tuesday Tuesday Wednesday and a little bit into Thursday, it was basically clean up and then restore, you know, restore the college to, to be ready for operations. In the midst of all of it, what was the one time that you had a fear about anything? What was, what was a great fear that came along? I, to be honest, Jeff, I, I don't, I'm not going to use fear for any. It was just we had to problem solve. And... Um, and it, more concerns than fear. I don't know that I ever had any fear, but it was just concerns that uh, what happens if Calistoga burns, right? right. If that, that would be, and because I'm trying to, at the same time, I'm feeling for the, you know, our students for the, and, and the, 
because the other part of this is just if I can back up for a second is not only do we have the college going on, but we have a uh, every at 10 o'clock we're having a meeting of all administration with the presidents, the VPs and everybody to talk about college business. And you were there for some of those. And so we're just talking about what are we going to do? Right. And how are we going to deal with instruction? So there's, there's really two two things happening simultaneously. My concern was. What do you do if this turns into a uh, a really into a situation where Calistoga people don't have any homes to go back to? What do we do with all those folks, and how do we how do we support the community? And then, at while at the same time, n- not tell all of our students that we can't finish your semester because you know. And right. so it was really that level of concern, and that that wasn't lost on any any of us here. So. I, you know, I don't, again, it was never really fear. It was more just concerns. I, I, I was, and it was never fear because, again, the generosity of people, their willingness to step in, um, you know, it, it just, yeah, it, it was really an amazing experience in that, from that perspective. And finally, what's the biggest lesson that you take away from it all? <laughs> don't answer your phone at one thirty in the morning. <laughs> there you, go. Uh, you know, the... Um, you know, I, the, I, well, I don't have a biggest lesson. I got a lot of lessons. Um, so that's why we do the after action report. So the, I think at the end of the day, the, um, what I'm happiest about is the, is the community, right? The, the, you look at what the hospitality folks did. You looked at the animal, the animal rescue folks. You look at that we had that many people in tight, confined space, and we didn't have any – we really had no, literally no, no significant problems. You had medical folks who volunteered and stepped in. You had 2,000 citizens. I mean, you know, I'm grateful to be in a community where, as other people from outside of Napa say, you know, they're, they were – they were dumbstruck by that. They this is not how a lot of folks operate in the rest of the world, and that's and I hear that. I mean, I, I hear that from other people that I work with. If you you know if you're in you know a a large metropolitan area that's over the top of the grapevine that shall remain unnamed, um, they don't do that. They you know you got your stuff, and if that's your stuff, you don't give your stuff up, and people don't play well together. I mean, I'm I'm on the phone on a first name basis with half these folks, mm-hmm. and we're solving problems and serving you know serving people. So, yeah, that, you know, I think if anything, the lesson for any community is that personal mm-hmm. relationship matters. Um, you know, ahead of time, and and you know, keep in mind what you're trying to do. It's not a matter of I got my stuff. This is my this is my kingdom. You go away. You know, we all do better when we all cooperate. Ken Arnold, I thank you so much for coming in and sharing this story. Thank you. NapaBroadcasting.com. Controversy, fun, and conversation. All the things that radio used to be.